Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. I've been on journey. I've done the, the journey course. Um, everyone, you think, oh, I haven't really been hurt. I'm pretty cool. I don't need journey. My heart would be that every single person in LRC attended a journey. With all my heart, we've all got stuff that we can work through. Every single one of us. So maybe you can't do it this time around, but we will be doing more. And I encourage you to do that. Okay. Romans 13, 14. They can all quote it. Quickly put it so they can all quote it. Quote it. But put on Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We've been doing a series, it's called What Jesus Did. And if I'm going to put on Jesus, I need to know what Jesus did. Yes? So that I can put aside the other things. And the topic I'm looking at today, in line with where theology is going on Saturday, is Jesus quoted Scripture, the written word. He quoted it. Did Jesus quote Scripture? Yes, he did. He quoted the Old Testament over and over again. He didn't quote the New Testament because it was live. It was happening. But he quoted the Old Testament. The Jewish Bible is exactly the same as our Old Testament. It has the Torah, it has the writings, and it has the prophets. There's, it's in a different order, and there's sometimes a few, there is a different number of books because like we have one and two Samuel, they just have Samuel. But it's the same book. And he quotes, I'll just give you three examples. When he quotes the, the Torah, it's when he's been tempted by the devil. He doesn't sin, but he is tempted. And in Deut- you can find what he says in Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. For example, do not tempt the Lord your God. He quotes Isaiah chapter 61 when he's in his synagogue in his own hometown. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is a upon me. And then he quotes Psalm 118 when he's talking with his disciples. You'll find it in Mark 12. And he says, the stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. That's Psalm 118. Go and Google it. It's all over the place. He quotes scripture all the time. How much more us? So four questions I want to speak, look at today. Why does God use a book? Is this book reliable? How do I read this book? And what is the effect of this book? A lot of my stuff, Tim Keller, Vince Vitale, Joe Vitale, collected from all sorts of sources. But let's look at that first question. Why does God use a book? He is a relational God. He's not a stone made out of gold that looks pretty in the corner and I place little flowers on it and I bow to it and I sacrifice to it. He's a relational God. He talks and he wants to talk to us. So if he didn't use a book, what could he use? Well, can't he just speak into my mind? Just whisper. How are your self-thoughts? Huh? Are they good? Do you discard the ones you don't like? Do you ignore the ones you don't like? You pick and choose what you think about, yeah? Imagine us doing that with God because it's just my little thought. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. 
Well, then why doesn't he stand in the corner over there and say, Elasi, good morning. You will. Where's free will in that? So he uses a book. He has given us his written word that we can read. It's the, and he's going to, can I just say, he is, can God speak like I've just spoken? Can he call from the corner of the room? Can he speak in my head? Yes, he can. Before the fall, he, he walked with Adam and Eve and he spoke to them. Well, after Adam and Eve had sinned, he said, where are you? And they could hear him directly. They didn't read a book. Okay, God's saying, where are you? And it's going to happen again. That's why Jesus came. But it's not yet. We're in that season where we need to read the book. It's his primary way of talking to us. And what an amazing book. Written over 1,500 years by a variety of people. A fisherman, John. To the most well-known wise king of all the world, Solomon. From a guy who raised sheep and grew figs, Amos, to a Pharisee who knew the Bible, the Old Testament, who knew it from the beginning to the end, Paul. Amazing. And they all bring the same message. There's no discrepancy through the Bible. Over all that time, all those different people, there's no book like that in the world except for the Bible. No book. And the message is, there is a God. He wants a relationship with you. And he's made a way for us to have a relationship. He does, as I said, he speaks in other ways. He speaks through people by what they say, or maybe they bring a word of prophecy. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks in myriad of ways. Through the Holy Spirit, every single one of them, by the Holy Spirit. The word is written by the Holy Spirit. I know I said written by those guys, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the word is his revealed will. His revealed will. If I want to know how to live life, I need to read it. Should I work? I don't know, Holy Spirit, should I work? It's written in the word. If you want to eat, work. Don't give me, oh, should, I, should I go to church? Hmm, I don't feel like it. And the Holy Spirit hasn't said, Laney, go to church today. Do not neglect the gathering of the brethren. It tells us how to live, and we need to acknowledge it. So he writes in a book, is this book reliable? Come on, let's be serious. It's just lack of little legends. It's, I mean, someone born of a virgin, they were just messing around. How can you believe the man is born of a virgin? And culturally, oh my heck, it is so out of date. We live in a modern world. Why should I take this Bible literally? That's what we're hearing all the time, isn't it? We're basically saying it's historically inaccurate, it's scientifically impossible, and as for culture, well, it's just out of date. Rubbish. Why should I bother to, to take any account of it? So let's look at those three. Historically inaccurate. Da Vinci Code. Watched it, read it. In that book, one of the many things in that book or movie what they put out is at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, the Emperor Constantine 
started looking at, well, how do we deal with this Jesus? Some say he was divine. Some say he was an incredible teacher, wise, just, but he really got the, the leaders irritated, and so they killed him. So what the Da Vinci Code suggests is that this divine Jesus, it's not real, but we're going to push it. We'll, we'll squash all these other rubbish books, these Gnostic Gospels who say he wasn't divine, he wasn't divine but we're going to push these ones because they're the truth. Is that valid? Is that true? Do we know if it's true? Can we say anything about it? Vince Vitale gives the most incredible way. When I heard him, I thought, that is so cool. Who played broken telephone when they were little? You know how you sit in a circle? If you haven't played, you should have. It's quite fun. And you whisper a message, and every person in youth groups gets hysterical. And you pass the message round and round and round until it gets to the last person, and they have to say what they heard. So I start with, Three people live in the house at the end of the road. Three people love the mouse that sends the code. <laughs> That's what happens. Isn't that what happened with the Bible? It just got messed up a long time. You know what? It wasn't one telephone line. There are thousands of telephone lines. How do I know that? Fragments of the original Bible, the original New Testament, are found everywhere. Everywhere, from Egypt to Iran to Iraq, you name it. Fragments of true papyrus. And you know what? Those words are exactly the same as the words that you read today translated from the Greek. Are there differences? Yes. But when you've got 2,600 saying one thing, and you've got this one saying a different thing, which one are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the one? Well, it says, and you know there are no differences on anything major. There are minor differences, and if you've got a good Bible, you'll have a footnote. Have you noticed that? Some manuscripts do not include this bit. Have you noticed that? That's because they're of, we're not sure, but they're minor things. The major things, that God is God, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross, that Jesus was divine, that the only way to salvation is by Jesus Christ is the same, right the way through. The oldest uh, piece of fragment that you can look at is called Papyrus 52. You can find it in the Manchester University. It's in a big special uh, cabinet and everything. It's John 18. Verses 31 to 33 on the one side, and verse 37 to 38 on the other side. And if, if you were here on Tuesday, you'd all be able to tell me what John 18 is about. But if you weren't here on Tuesday, sorry for you. Should I tell them? It's the part where Jesus is in with Pilate, and it's that whole interchange. And what does he say? What is truth? So when you read that... That piece of papyrus dated 125 to 175 AD. When was the Council of Nicaea? 325. Sorry, dudes. It was a heck of a lot before you think you decided to say that Jesus was divine. We can believe the Bible. There's even an earlier one. I don't know why I tried. I did a little bit of Googling. It's, it's a fragment of Mark chapter 1, and they reckon it's dated AD 70. 
but for some reason it's not being released. I don't know, intriguing. Intriguing why they're not releasing it, but go and Google some interesting stuff that is out there. We used to just have fragments of the New Testament. They go way back in terms of archaeology. But then what happened with the Old Testament? What did they discover? The Dead Sea Scrolls. 19, I've checked the date, 1947, and between 1947 and 1956, they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. What are the Dead Sea Scrolls? The Old Testament. Fragments of the Old Testament. The whole book of Isaiah written out. Can we believe our Bible? Is it historically accurate? I think so. How was the Old Testament passed down? It was passed down by scribes who their job was to copy, to copy the papyrus over and over and over. If they made a mistake, that papyrus was just discarded. One little mistake, they just discarded the whole thing. Accurate, accurate, accurate. What about the New Testament? Well, it was written, the Gospels were written about 40 to 60 years after Jesus died. Paul's letters and most of those letters were written 15 to 25 years after Jesus died. And they were confirming what we read in the Gospels. Nothing different. How did the Gospels, how did the writers do it? They spoke to eyewitnesses. Don't you often wonder, I don't know if you have, Mark chapter 15 verse 21 says that the guy who carried Jesus' cross was the father of Rufus and Alexander. Why is that in the Bible? Because for the people then, he was basically saying, dudes, if you don't believe me, go and ask Rufus. He's, he he's knows his dad carried that cross. 531 fish. Why does he say that? Because there was detail. In those days, when you followed someone, like the, the disciples followed Jesus, yes, the 12, but there were hundreds that followed Jesus. There were women, they were young, they were old. His small group was the disciples, but there were hundreds with Jesus all the time. What, was, what did you do? You memorized what that teacher said. So what these writers have done, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is they've spoken some of them were there, obviously. Matthew and John were there. Mark, we believe, spoke to Peter and heard Peter's account, just the way it's written and the similarity in character. But, but they said to me, they, it was living eyewitnesses. Yeah, this is what happened. And they caught 531 fish. Who writes detail like that unless it is real? Were there other witnesses who were trying to say, no, Robert? Of course there were. He didn't raised from the dead. Remember what the, the Pharisees said? Go and pay the gods and get them to say that it's all a farce, that the disciples came and stole the body. Why did they do that? Because they knew it was the truth. They had to do something to stop this truth getting out. Do you believe the Bible? Do you read it and say this, oh, not is this true? It is true. Therefore, take note. Take note of what it says. Scientifically impossible. The virgin birth. You know what? Raising people from the dead. Come on, Lainey. Question. Can I be a scientist and a Christian? The world will say, not a chance. Dawkins will say, you cannot be a Christian and a scientist because we can prove everything. Where's the step of faith? I have to decide that 
I only believe that which can be scientifically proven, or I have faith to believe that this God who created all I see can change it whenever he wants. So if you reject the Bible based on the fact, well, it's got these really wacky miracles, it's not a scientific reason, it's a philosophical reason. And you have to choose to believe or not to believe. Up to you. Culturally, yo, I mean the sexuality stuff. Seriously? A man must just marry a woman? How out of date is that? Do they not know I'm born that way, etc., etc., with respect? The Bible says a man will cleave with a woman. doesn't say in anybody else. It doesn't say, oh, figure out if you're male or female. It says you are born. He made them, male and female, nothing else. But the cultural world to say says everything else. I can't even keep up with all the names. What does the Bible say? So what do I do with these issues? What do I do with these cultural issues? Slavery, a lot of one that often gets to me is slavery. The Bible believes in slavery. No, it doesn't. Read it in context. The Bible pushes women down. No, it doesn't. Read the context. What do I do when I have issues that I disagree with? Is it okay to disagree? Yes, it is. But seek it out. Study it. Talk to other people. Find information. We mustn't be these little, well, Johan and Lane and the elders all say, I must believe this. No, what does the Bible say? Are you investigating or are you just accepting? Well, he says this, so that's what I must believe. Do you know what you believe? Investigate it, search it out, read about it, find out what it says. I believe that the Bible is 100% reliable, but it is much, much more. It is the authoritative word of God. Because in this reliable Bible, it tells me that God came as a man. God came as a man. He suffered. He was persecuted. He died. And he rose again. I have to take the authority of God. I have to know it. I have to read it. Because this is God speaking to me. Who am I to, to not believe that? Is the Bible reliable? Yes, it is. How do I read this book? How do I read this book? Oh, Eleni, I fall asleep. You know, I just can't get into it. Hmm. Jeremiah, the prophet, went to the people of Israel. His message was horrendous. You are all going to die, either by the sword or pestilence or famine. The best thing you can do is surrender and go with the king of Nebuchadnezzar. All the other prophets, no, 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 it's all going to be so nice. Don't worry, it's not real. He'll never destroy Jerusalem. He'll never destroy his temple. That way, his message was gross. They persecuted him. I was reading this morning that they didn't kill him, but they killed Uriah. Two guys saying the same thing. You think, well, it was like, God, these were two men preaching your word. One died, one didn't. God's plan. He didn't kill Jeremiah. He was persecuted. And in, if you, this verse, Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. 
For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Your words were found. You've got to find something. What do you got to do? You've got to look for it. We have to look for it. We have to search. We have to try and understand. If we don't understand, we ask others, we read commentaries, but we have to search. It's not always just going to filter miraculously down through the air. Does it sometimes? Yes, but are we doing the searching? Are we doing the searching? Then he says, and I ate them. So he didn't taste them. Mm, mm, what does God want me to read today? Ooh. No, I don't like that one. <laughs> little. He tasted them. He ate them. He digested them. They went into his body. When you eat food, it changes you. It changes you. That's what he did. So I wrote down a whole lot of things. I thought, how do we eat the word? Just listen to what I wrote. I said, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. Interact with it. Read it out loud. Question it. Do it together. Look at the context. Ask, why is this in the Bible? Ask what's going on in the culture of the time. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. Persevere. Don't always be on the run. Breakfast, getting dressed. Mm, okay, got it. Yeah. Take time, even that's once a week, where you sit with the Word, even if it's one verse, and delve into it. Allow it to change you. Dig deep. Read commentaries. Attend theology. We have theology three things, three times. We have theology on a Tuesday, once a month. But I have children. I'm tired. I want to get home. Put on Jesus. We have theology at 8 o'clock, quarter past 8 on a Tuesday morning. I know many of you at work and you can't attend that. We have theology next Saturday, and I'm going to look at this in a whole lot more depth and get us really excited about how, where did this Bible come? Why did they choose that book and not that book when all those things? It's a choice. He says, remember, your words were found. I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart. Piper said, tweeted a little while ago, the devil, listen to this, the devil has had more theologically accurate thoughts about God in the last 24 hours than you will have in a lifetime. Think about that. The devil has had more theologically accurate thoughts. He knows this book. He can quote it. About God in the last 24 hours than you will have in a lifetime. But, what? He does not cherish the truths that he found. When we read the Bible, we find Jesus. He is the living word. He brings the light to our soul. And we eat him. Jesus said, in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. 
And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. So we, we get a joy out of this Word. But I don't get joy out of Leviticus. Persevere. Persevere. Why is If God didn't want us to read Leviticus, it wouldn't be in the Bible. He wants us to read it from Genesis to Revelation. Every morsel. Every morsel. When we seek, we, we prayed this morning, Lord, we need your presence. We seek your face. And guys, I'm not saying, remember, I'm not giving the whole thing. But for today, I'm saying one way, incredible way, given by God. Seek his face in his word. You will find him. Guaranteed. As I get older and more mature, and, <laughs> more mature, maybe, maybe not, but I fall more in love with this word. I read it, I do read it every day. I really do. And sometimes I think, God, I can't believe I've missed this. Every day. I've been, I've been saved for 45 years. The Bible, I realize more and more, I can't do this life without this. I cannot. Are you doing life without it? You're a fool with respect. You, we need this word. What is the effect of this book? God writes in a book, his choice. It's reliable. I know how to read it. I've got to eat it. What is the effect? It informs, it informs me. It tells me in the secular world that says, yep, this is all there is. When you die, that's it. So you may as well live it up because there's nothing. No one's going to hold you to account. There's no consequence for it. Just do as long as you don't hurt anyone. False thought, they think. Just do it. This book tells me there is another world. There is God and there's Satan. These demons and angels, for sure, they exist. There's heaven and there's hell. There's sin and there's salvation. That's what this book tells me. They are real. They are more real than this. It tells me there's a man, Jesus, but he wasn't just a man. He was God incarnate. God on this earth. He died. He was killed. He rose again and he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is talking to us by the Holy Spirit all day, every day. And he wants to. Doesn't matter who you are. But Lainey, you don't understand the stuff I've done in my life. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to have relationship with you. Well, you know, I know the Bible. You know, someone with respect, you'll know who you are, won't mention, but I know the Bible. Liar! You don't! There's always more to find. Always. And I think I've read this a hundred times. You know what? The hundred and first is going to bring me revelation. Read the word. It informs me. But it does more. It indwells me. What does that mean? It's not just out there. It's not just, woo, this religious world. I come into this world, and I have a part to play. 
because I read and he tells me this is what, you're part of this plan. You are part of the salvation. If you don't speak to that person, who is? If you don't pray for that person, who is? I, he indwell, as he indwells me, I take part in his great plan. How awesome is that? Silly, stupid, carnal, idiotic sometimes, not so idiotic other times. He uses me. And he wants to use every single one of you every day. But to indwell, for him to indwell, I have to immerse myself. We say we don't have time. How much time are you spending on WhatsApp? How much time are you spending on Facebook? And, 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 and. Get real with yourself. I used to, in previous years, I actually, I, I, God convicted me. If I looked at the amount of time I spent to gym, which is three hours on average, I was spending less time in the Word than three hours a week. Are you spending more than three hours? I don't need more. But think about your life. Where are you putting your energies? It's a choice. He's not going to manifest it. Choose to read the Bible. You read him. So in conclusion, who likes getting letters? Oh, good grief. In that category, you'll put any written word. So none of you like WhatsApp. None of you, you liars. Who likes getting letters? All of you should have. Come put your hands up. Put your hands up. Don't be so lazy. Yeah. My mom and dad came across on the boat 59 years ago. 56, 60, 59, 60 years ago. From England to South to Rhodesia in that day, to the wilds. <laughs> the only way of communication between her parents and her were letters, written letters. You waited a long time for that letter. When Terry and I were dating, there still wasn't any WhatsApp. <laughs> it was just a telephone. It was expensive because I was in my three-month holiday. It's a long time to be away from the one you love. Couldn't phone him, couldn't afford it. But he would write me letters. Yay, I'd look at the Facebook, no letter. Facebook, no letter. Then I'd get a letter. I got a letter. And I'd read it, and I'd read it, and I'd read it. So again, who likes letters? Okay, if you like letters, the rest of you, sorry for you. Look under your chair, please, seriously. There are nine letters. Please hold up one when you find one. Everyone, if, you, and if there's a empty chair next to you, look, please. There are nine letters. I need to see nine letters. Don't open it yet. There are nine letters. I know they're there. If you found one, put it up. There's two over there. We found one. There's two over here. I think three here. Two there and two there. Come on, find them. Okay, we got two on this side. How many we got on this side? No, we got one. Come on, find the letters. I know they're here. I know they're here. We only found one. Come on, people, be, don't be lazy. Look for them. We found one here, two here, two here, one, two there. Okay, so we've got nine letters. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Cool. Okay, don't open them yet. Who feels, oh, why didn't I sit in that chair? Come on, who feels, oh man, I was going to sit in that chair. Good news, 
tell those letters? I asked two people who I trust prophetically to write you a letter from God. And I'm praying, we prayed, and the person who placed them for me prayed that that letter will be very special to you. But you say, but oh, I didn't get one. You did. <laughs> you have a love letter from someone who loves you more than you can ever, ever imagine. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. I remind us of Romans 13, verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. And I think, what's the provision? I just don't have time to read the Bible. I don't feel like reading the Bible. It doesn't speak to me. You name it. We've all got those excuses. We need to put on Jesus. And I felt today, when I was praying this morning, I felt we actually need to repent. Stand with me. What are we repenting of? We're, re we're saying sorry to God that we don't read his love letter. And you might say, oh, but I do. Come on, you know, all those of us who are defensive, oh, I do, I do, I do, I read it every day. But are we truly, I don't think any of us will get there. But am I doing everything possible to allow this God who loves me so much to speak to my soul, to indwell me, to change the way I think, the way I act, to change my heart. Because that is what he will do. I know. So let's just have a moment of quietness. And in your own way, 